Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan Kiger, and what you're about to listen to was previously recorded for a radio interview. This is Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan Kiger, and my guest today is Ricky Medlock of Leonard Skinner and Blackfoot. Ricky, how are you doing today? Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm great. Ricky, I'm going to just go back. You know, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on you. Every interview I could, I tried to do my research. And I'm going to go back and say what I, what I saw, correct me if I'm wrong on anything. But at a young age of three, you started playing a miniature banjo. How did you pick that up? That is correct. Um, well, my mother's parents, which was my grandparents, they adopted me at a very young uh, age. Uh, I was three months old, they adopted me. And my grandfather was already in professional music um, on the road uh, with different professional uh, country music artists out out of Nashville. And he played basically everything. He played uh, five-string banjo, uh, the fiddle, mandolin, guitar, dobro, uh, harmonica, everything. He um, And not only did he play them, but he played them extremely well. And that one of the reasons why he ended up getting gigs like he did is because of his musicianship of being able to be a chameleon to whatever was needed. Um, At a very young age, he bought me uh, that miniature banjo that you're talking about. And I have pictures of me uh, with that banjo. Um, What he did was when he would be home off the road, um, he would go play with a guy who had a local TV show uh, back then what was affiliated with CBS. It was called WMVR at the time. Today it's WJXT, but he would go and play with the guy Toby Dowdy on his country music show that originated out of Jacksonville and was shown uh, basically all over the southeast, up in the Tennessee uh, as far over as Memphis and um, you know basically into Louisiana it was a uh, recognizable show back in the 50s well he went to Toby and said my grandson and I have been working up some songs and he says I'd like to bring him on the show he played just one song with me I think it would be a real novelty uh, here's a guy with his grandson uh, playing a song and singing. And Toby said, that sounds like an interesting idea. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I came on, and the, uh, the, the uh, letters that poured in from the people that love the show everywhere, they sent, you know, letters in, fan mail, and said, my God, you know, can he be on there again? You know, him again. Anyway, it was an overwhelming success. 
and I stayed on there for five years. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, from three until I was eight. I grew up on the show. And um, in the midst of that, I learned how to play guitar at the age of five and drums at the age of eight. So, uh, you know, that's that's basically how it all went. That's pretty exciting. Now, you've played, we'll, we'll tap into this here in a minute, you play the, the drums, you play the guitar. When did you, I guess, and I don't know if you still practice all those instruments, but what you're known for now, I would say, is, is your guitar. When did you decide that was the focus you were going to go on versus the drums? Well, I had, I had already excelled in playing guitar. Uh, I was doing good on drums. As a matter of fact, when my dad uh, had his own bands in Jacksonville, actually when I was around probably 12, 13 years old, I became his drummer. And, um, you know, I excelled in that. And my thing was is that I kind of wanted to emulate uh, what my granddaddy was doing, I wanted to play everything. And I remember, uh, I remember him sitting down with me one day and saying, look, I know that you know what you're trying to do here. You're trying to play everything. But he said, what you should do is, is concentrate on one thing. And then if you got something, a side thing, that works out for you, you know, as far as it's go, uh, then you'll be educated that, and you'll be able to do fine. So, for my love of the guitar, I concentrated on the guitar, and and still played drums, and that's what led me to Leonard Skinner uh, the first time around, you know, late 70s, 71, early 71. And um, I was with Blackwood at the time, and things weren't going really well uh, up in New Jersey uh, for us. And I actually, I just kind of actually called Alan Collins and asked Alan, uh, did they need a roadie, somebody to drive the truck or set the equipment up? And he says, do you still play drums? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. And he said, you need to give Ronnie a call. So I called Ronnie. And Ronnie said the same thing. He said, do you play drums? I said, yeah. And he said, well, we're, we're losing Bob, Bob Burns. And we're supposed to start our first run in Muscle Shoals, Alabama in two weeks. And I said, well, I'm in. I'll take the gig. So, while I was still up in Jersey waiting on them to send me a plane ticket, I sold off some equipment, uh, sat on a set of drums up there, uh, brushing up on my chops. And I, you know, they gave, they sent me the ticket uh, about four days later, I flew down to Jacksonville and immediately went to the rehearsal that night after going by my parents' 
place and dropping everything off. And I was rehearsing that night the material that would become Leonard Skinner's first and last album. That's an awfully interesting story. I have a question that wasn't on my list here. But when you say you went to rehearsals, I've watched a lot of uh, documentaries on Leonard Skinner. Was this the, the, I would call it the practice house that was out in the country? Had the, had the pond or the river in the back? Well, now this wasn't Hell House. Hell House, okay, I couldn't remember the name, all right. This was at, no, we hadn't, we didn't have Hell House yet. This was in Green Cove Springs. And we had a, you know, we had a practice house there where the original bass player, Larry Junstrom, he lived at the house. And then is when we got, later on we got Hell House. And uh, that's where all the infamous stuff happened and, and infamous songs written. And, you know, during while I was with the band and after I was, I had left the band and went on uh, back to Blackfoot and stuff. So uh, that was a that was a very famous now a famous place. You know. Yeah. Now you. It's amazing. A lot of people don't get the chance to have one solid career, but you had two. You know, one playing the drums with them, and then you're now playing the, the guitar with them, and you had your band Blackfoot. Um, when you look at that and think, you know, I mean, there's very few people. I mean, you go to the Beatles, they all had separate careers, but not a lot of people get two different musical careers out of two different instruments. That's, that's quite a thing. That, that you know, I always uh, you know thought that music I was going to succeed in music, and I never I never doubted myself. I never doubted my ability, and I never doubted the talent that I'd been that God had gave me. You know to to play. Um, of course. I never knew what it was going to come to, uh, the magnitude that it would come to, uh, you know, and the fans and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, because we came from very, very humble beginnings as, as you know, as boys. And all of a sudden we were a garage band. And we had talented people in the band that, wrote songs, you know, wrote from their heart. And the next thing you know, got a record deal and got hit records. I mean, that's that's pretty heavy duty. That is. That's when, very heavy duty. When you stop to think about it, you know, you, you go into it blindly, and the next thing you know, you're sitting on top of the world. And I want to say thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to accommodate myself and my listeners. This is Alan Kiger, and I hope you've enjoyed the interview on Sights and Sounds. The music that frames this podcast is the original music of Paul Myrie.